catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where random 87-degree October weather in L.A. be damned. Just look at the court, because as far as the Lakers are concerned, it's been raining. Raining threes and elbow freeze celebrations galore, to be exact. So, Lakers top 10 in three-point shooting this season? Bet. I mean, wet. I am your host, Jonathan Hernandez, and I will be joined shortly by my co-host, Tommy Alexander. But for today's show, for the first half of this episode, I will be doing things solo, and I will be covering my three main takeaways from the Lakers' last two preseason games over the weekend. And then for the second half of our show, I'll bring Tommy back in, and we will discuss what we expect to see out of LeBron James this season, and how we think he'll transform his game during the light at the end of the tunnel last few years he has left here. So yeah, this will kind of be a shorter stopgap sort of episode, as the Lakers have a couple days break before they play their last preseason game on Thursday versus the Suns. But if you guys want more extensive coverage of the Lakers preseason and want some of our more meatier preseason takes, please check out our last episode, episode 501, Preloading, where Tommy and I both spend about an hour and eight minutes just gushing about how locked in and potentially elite this very talented and skilled Lakers roster looks. So yeah, check that episode out. But for this episode, you guys are unfortunately stuck with me for at least the first 10 minutes, as I shall now dive into what I saw from this past weekend slate of Lakers preseason games versus the Warriors on Friday and versus the Bucks on Sunday. So I have three main takeaways, so let's get it started. Number one, the Lakers' three-point shooting. It is real. Now, the last game against the Bucks, the Lakers only shot 9 of 34, but yesterday's game was kind of a weird game with the whole second half being played by the Lakers' bench guys slash fringe rotational players. There was no LeBron, no Vando, no Gabe Vincent, 
D'Angelo Russell only took one three-point shot attempt. The starters in the first half made five of the Lakers' nine total threes, so you can kind of throw last night's game versus the Bucks into the toilet a little bit. But so far this preseason, the Lakers have shot the lights out from the outside, and we've seen the types of shots their dynamic shooters have been able to get. And it has just opened up the entire court, the Lakers playing five out and having a more spaced floor for Anthony Davis, D'Angelo Russell, even guys like Cam Reddish to just drive into the lane unimpeded. It has been a game changer. The Lakers so far this preseason, they've shot 15 of 38 from three, 20 of 55 from three, 10 of 30 from three, 16 of 36, and then last night they shot 9 of 34, but asterisk that game again. But yeah, that game where they hit 23s, I believe the Lakers hadn't made 23s in any one game in last season's entirety. So what the Lakers have shown from a shooting standpoint this preseason has been very tantalizing and very impressive. If you guys have seen what I've put out on Twitter, at Lakers Legacy Pod, of just how putrid we were from the outside last season to start things off, it is night and day to what we're seeing now. And granted, it's just the first five preseason games, but looking at our stable of shooters, and again, our stable of dynamic, versatile shooters who can shoot with guys running at them, lunging at them, who can shoot as they take one to two step dribbles to the side or fading away, this stable of shooters that the Lakers have give me great confidence that we can carry forth these flashes of shooting that we've seen into the preseason all the way through to an 82-game regular season and potentially be a top 10 three-point shooting team. So yeah, if you've seen my comparisons from last year to this year, as you all know, that Russell Westbrook team, where we had to sign Matt Ryan off of the Uber streets to be our one main pure shooter, that team last year in our first five games shot 23% from three, 42 of 177. This year, through our first five preseason games, even accounting for the 9 for 34 game that we had against the Bucks last night, the Lakers are shooting 70 of 193, 36%. If you take out the Bucks game, the Lakers are shooting 38% from three. And again, it has just been such a revelation to see a dominant Lakers team that actually shoots well from three-point land. Again, I am knocking on wood, crossing my fingers, all of that jazz. Going right down the line of players here, Austin Reeves is shooting 62% from three, hitting 2.5 a game in the two games he's played. D'Angelo Russell has played every game, and he's shooting 55% from three, hitting two a game. Anthony Davis, 50% from three, hitting 1.3 a game. He has made a three in each of his preseason games that he's played, I believe, four of them. Torian Prince, 48% hitting 2.23s a game. And this is after Torian Prince went zero for three from three in his first game, and Lakers fans were already railing on him. So 48% for Torian Prince on 2.2 makes a game. Gabe Vincent, 42% from three, hitting 2.7 a game in the three games he's played. Maxwell Lewis, rookie Maxwell Lewis, is quietly hitting 42% from three, knocking down one a game. Now, obviously, he probably won't factor into the regular rotation for the Lakers in the 82-game regular season, but I'm just throwing Maxwell Lewis out there as as an affirmative nod to how well he's been playing in this preseason. Rui Hachimura, 36% from three, hitting one a game. 
This doesn't include LeBron James, Max Christie, Christian Wood, Cam Reddish, who are still slowly trying to find a rhythm from the outside. And I think they'll all eventually get there as well. Because LeBron, Max Christie, Christian Wood, Cam Reddish are all capable of knocking down threes at the very least at a league average rate. And for guys like Max Christie, probably an above league average rate from three-point land. So all in all, this team is a good, above average, maybe even top 8 to 10 elite three-point shooting team, and one that I think can overcome the vaunted, daunted Lakers three-point curse. All right, so let's move on to my second biggest takeaway. The Lakers have found their starting three. Torian Prince. So Torian Prince has been phenomenal this preseason. He's kind of been like a KCP and Danny Green fused into one player, except he's 6'7". And I believe KCP was like 6'4", 6'5", Danny Green about 6'5". But yeah, that combination of skill, size, physicality, and shooting in a 6'7 player's body has essentially been what the Lakers have been yearning for in the AD and LeBron era. We kind of got it a little, again, with a sh- with KCP and Danny Green, who were shorter players. We kind of got it a little in Kuzma, who was more of a tweener forward at 6'9". But Torian Prince fits that traditional, prototypical 6'7", 6'6", 3D wing player that the Lakers have so coveted for all of these years. He's been mucking things up in the passing lanes, getting his hands on passes, sliding in for charges, and overall just being a very physical player at the forward position. And overall, he has been absolute money with his three-point shot. And his ability to let that thing fly with minimal daylight without being necessarily set has been super impressive. He has a really quick trigger and a really nice arc. And because he's 6'7", he's not afraid of getting his shot blocked. And we've seen him this preseason be able to hit some tightly contested threes with minimal space on the baseline where it almost looks like he's falling out of bounds. And so that has been really impressive to see from Torian Prince. But more than that, he's also been able to keep the defense on its toes by attacking closeouts hard and putting the ball on the floor. He'll pump fake from three at the three-point line and just go straight to the basket. And yeah, he's really been able to showcase his on-ball shot creation versatility that I don't think a lot of Lakers fans knew he had in his bag coming into this season because typically you see Torian Prince and all you think about is he just shoots threes and he plays defense. But no, the dude can dribble the ball. The dude can take it all the way into the basket. He can hit these nifty scoop-de-doo layups. He can hit some tough finishes. And overall, yeah, he has just been a godsend for the Lakers. And again, he's been that tried-and-true 6-7, 3-and-D wing that... The Lakers have not really had in the LeBron and AD era. So given all of that, it's going to be hard for Darvin Ham not to insert Torian Prince as the starting three for the Lakers on opening night, especially given Darvin Ham's relationship with Torian Prince from their time together on the Atlanta Hawks, when I believe Torian Prince was just a rookie. So they have a rapport and a relationship with each other that I think just perfectly coincides with how well Torian Prince has been playing. And so why, why cut off his rhythm unnecessarily? So I think what Torian Prince as the starting three does do is make it difficult for all of our other talented forwards. This does make things a little tougher for Darvin Ham and how he'll find minutes for Rui Hachimura, Jared Vanderbilt, Christian Wood, and Jackson Hayes. So... 
you know, a set bench unit of Gabe Vincent, Max Christie slash Cam Reddish, Rui Hachimura, Jared Vanderbilt, Christian Wood. It can't really be that set, I believe, if we also want to see Jackson Hayes get minutes. And given Jackson Hayes' stellar play in both ends this preseason, I believe that he absolutely deserves minutes. So it will be interesting to see how Darvin Ham juggles their rotations and lineups moving forward because I think we're just going to have to have a 12-man rotation to start the season off with Cam Reddish and Jackson Hayes factoring into the rotation more than we had initially thought. So I think the first 10 to 20 games are going to be Darvin Ham experimenting with the lineups and seeing if he can find ways to give not only Christian Wood, but Jackson Hayes, Jared Vanderbilt, Rui Hachimura, Cam Reddish, Max Christie, finding ways to give all of them minutes, even if it's just like 5 to 10 minute spurts here and there. And speaking of Cam Reddish, that'll lead me to my last point and my third big takeaway from the weekend, which is Cam Reddish showed some things defensively last night. So Cam Reddish's first game as a Laker in his first preseason game, that was absolutely horrendous. He looked out of sorts. He didn't look like he could dribble the ball. His three-point shot looked worse than Jalen Huchifino's shot. Um, But last night, after overcoming the uh, ankle ailments that he's been dealing with the last couple of games, Cam Reddish returned to the lineup and... I think he really flashed a lot of things defensively for the Lakers. Darvin Ham stuck him on Damian Lillard for a short time, and I felt like Cam Reddish did a really good job tracking and shadowing Damian Lillard. He did a great job making himself skinny and slithering and fighting through these screens to recover on Dame. He's got the foot speed, mobility, and fluidity to track guards like Damian Lillard. And his 6'7 with a 7'1 wingspan length and frame can really bother ball handlers and shooters. I mean, you saw him lunge out at Damian Lillard for one of Damian Lillard's patented step-back three-point shots, and Damian Lillard airballed, you know? Just having that length and making the guard think about a dude like Cam Reddish trailing him on a screen, I think that does a lot in terms of being an impediment and a harassment to these slick shooters and these slick ball handlers. And again, it is very important and impressive that Cam Reddish at 6'7 can move his feet the way he does and fight through screens and navigate screens the way he does. And his time out there with Max Christie in particular gave the Lakers a very dynamic, switchy, handsy, and mobile point-of-attack defending duo that was very intriguing. So yeah, kudos to Cam Reddish for, you know... Coming with it last night, he had 10 points, 5 rebounds. It was also nice to see him knock down his open catch-and-shoot threes. He hit two last night. And it was also nice to see him showcase some of his creative on-the-ball dribble drive skills with that insane coast-to-coast reverse layup in the first half. And then he had a really nice crossover into a split-the-defense type layup in the second half as well. And when Cam Reddish's handle is tight and he goes up for these very poetic pirouetting layups... He just glides out there, and you can see why he's gotten those Paul George light comps in the past, or as I've said before as well, he looks like a 6'7 dude with a Kyrie Irving layup package at times, with how smoothly and fluidly he's able to contort his body to finish at the basket amidst traffic and other defenders, so... But yeah, most of all, I was impressed by Cam's defensive potential and the way Ham can potentially utilize him on that end with our stable of lanky, lengthy forwards. But again, Darvin Ham is going to need to find minutes for 
Torian Prince, Max Christie, Rui Hachimura, Jared Vanderbilt, Christian Wood, Jackson Hayes, and possibly now Cam Reddish. It's a good problem to have, but something that's going to need to be addressed and delicately massaged and toggled with throughout the season. Alright, so those are my three big points and takeaways from the Lakers' last few preseason games this past weekend. Again, if you want more of our in-depth coverage of the preseason as a whole, check out our last episode, episode 501, Preloading. That one has Tommy the whole way through for an hour and eight minutes, so enjoy that. So, I'm going to take it to break right now, but stick around, because after the break, I'm bringing Tommy back in, and we are going to focus on LeBron James and what his role will look like this upcoming season, given the breadth of weapons and talent he now has at his disposal. So yeah, more after the turn. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, so we are back. And I've now got Tommy here with me. And he will help us close out this episode with a little short additional segment where we shall discuss the GOAT, the Taco Tuesday connoisseur, Taco Tuesday, just a kid from Akron, the king, LeBron James. I mean, it's funny when we do these podcasts, right? We, and it makes sense. We always focus on like the new toys or whatever, but we rarely ever talk about LeBron James. <laughs> so I know, it's what, so what, funny. What are your thoughts on like how we're actually going to utilize him this season? Because I mean, this may end up being his last year. I don't know. He's still under contract or he has a player option for next year as well. But given the amount of talent that we have, and we already saw flashes of this last year. I mean, again, he shot 52% from the field, a career Lakers high 52% from the field, despite shooting so poorly from three. And we saw how he played off ball. Do you see him 
relinquishing more of those on-ball duties and becoming more of like, this is insane to say, but becoming more of like a Aaron Gordon wing who's content to stay on the wings or the corner threes and if need be cut to the basket for these easy lobs from D'Lo, Reeves, etc. Do you think he'll need to score as much as he has in previous years? Because I think last year he still scored, still averaged like 28 points and then the season before that 30 points because we had Russell Westbrook and we needed him to do that. But do you see him like doing like an Aaron Gordon type thing or more of like a Draymond Green? He'll facilitate out of the post, but not necessarily facilitate as the guy who sort of dribbles the air out of the ball. Not that LeBron James ever really did that, but I mean, LeBron is such a smart player, right? He sees all the offensive weapons around him and he'll always adjust to what's needed. But even in terms of reinventing himself now and trying to maintain his body throughout the course of this regular season do you think he'll go down to like 22 points and maybe just be content to let the dudes run the show I do so I I think the interesting thing about LeBron is his couple of years where he was just jacking up shots that was the Russ situation I mean like we needed him to score right like and he kind you can almost see like the wheels spinning in his head where he just like decided like whether this is efficient or not, I have to chuck it. I think that's like a little bit different than like Kobe's final few years, right? Like Kobe wanted to score because he wanted to go out guns blazing the way he always played. Um, LeBron, I think, is much, 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 and he already has, right? But I think he's much, much more willing to adapt his game. I think we saw a preview of what's to come in the playoffs last year. Like, I think he is happy if somebody else is willing to take the reins. I think he usually just, it ends up coming back to him because no one's able to actually take the reins from him. Um, But because we have so much depth this year, we have D'Lo for a full season um, or at least to start the season, we have a, uh, AR who's taken a big leap. Other guys can score. I think his scoring could go down and it might have to go down because like 80 is going to have to score. Like we need post scoring or like big man scoring um, to balance out the floor a little bit. Um, D'Lo is going to get be getting his Rui's going to be getting his Austin's going to be getting his like these are all guys who can score and I I said it like during the thing it's like maybe famous last words because I feel like it's happened so many years where we go into the season and we're like oh my god we're going to score 140 points a game and then like nobody can make a shot so so things can change but I think um yeah I think LeBron is the one guy out of all those who is so talented that like it doesn't matter if he scores or not. Like he, he can just sort of sit on the sides and like when it's the fourth quarter, he can get his own. Um, yeah. He doesn't need to have been involved and fully engaged the entire game leading into that. Like some, like most other players do, like he'll just show up at the end and like carry you to the, to carry you to a win. So yeah, that's the and thing think, we have going for us. Well, and I think we saw that in the playoffs, right? Where you have two different sides of LeBron. You have that game one against Memphis where it's the Austin Reeves, I'm him game. Did you did you see the Austin Reeves comments on the low post where he was like, I, I knew that, yeah. that LeBron James trusted me more than I even thought when he was like, Austin, come back here, run the show. You have that aspect of LeBron. And then within the same series, you have the game four version of LeBron against the Grizzlies, right? Where he sends it into overtime against Dylan Brooks. And then from there, he's like, summoning LeBron James of ages past and bulldozing through dudes like against defensive player of the year, Jaron Jackson, right? And carrying the day. So I agree with you. I think apart from 
LeBron James being still super good at this age, I feel like he's gotten so much smarter over the years to really play chess, like 4D chess here, and know what he needs at every single moment, even if that means Austin Reeves, D'Angelo Russell, play pick and roll, handle the ball in these crunch time situations, you know? So, um, you know what I will say, what is happening over there? He doesn't like your LeBron James takes now. He doesn't like my LeBron James takes, but go ahead. Um, the only other thing I was going to say, dude, is like, and maybe I just missed this because this year has just been crazy for me, obviously, but like he needed surgery on his foot, didn't he? Like, was it ever confirmed that he actually got the surgery? They've been no, like super quiet Le- about the, it. Uh, no, it, it wasn't because the LeBron James of feet said he didn't need surgery or something. I don't know. Well, like, but he didn't need it during the season. I thought the plan was still like he was going. I think that that's where like this weird gray area is. So I'm pretty sure what was actually discussed, if like thinking back to last season, was he didn't need like most people said that he needed to um, get a surgery. And then LeBron James, if he said he did not need to get a surgery to finish the season. Right. But that was just for last season. I thought it was always the plan that once the season was over, he would get a surgery on his foot and he would have the off season to recover from it. And I just feel like since then, it's like not clear at all that he ever did that. And like, I don't know if they're intentionally being shady about it so that it's not like a talking point and like, you know, people aren't like targeting the foot or whatever um, because there's been some like, you know, discussion about whether guys have been diving at his legs and feet right in recent years. So like, I don't know if that's what it is, but um, it's definitely odd to me, I will say. Yeah, I'm not sure where maybe he maybe he did like a secret thing, you know, where he flew to Germany or whatever and got some HGH injection into his foot. I don't know. But it it, it is kind of crazy to think about the fact that we had the playoff run that we did and LeBron James was playing on this bum ass foot and to see. And I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if him shooting flat footed is what contributed to his paltry three point shooting. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, do you? But. I hope yeah. he fixed it. Oh, that's all I, I'm saying is I hope he <laughs> fixed it because we can't like we we can win a championship, but not if he's playing like how he played against like basically at the end of that playoff run where he was like just yeah. gimping on one leg the entire time. You know? No, no, I agree with you. My my only so the one thing I I want to ask you is like what <laughs> it's so hard to like comp LeBron at this stage because you've never really seen anything like him. But as I was intimating earlier, like the Aaron Gordon, Draymond Green. Who do you think LeBron James will be by the end of this? And the end of this could be like second year, right? But is it is it like a Carl Malone, Draymond Green fusion? Or is he is he going to be shooting jump shots and three-point shots more often? And I guess to you, on-court-wise, is there a player comp that you can see him becoming? Because statistically, I think he'll always be 18 to 20 with six assists. He's just that good, right? But like in terms of how it looks on the court, is he shooting more threes? Is he more in the post? Do you have any thoughts on that? Is he going to be like Blake Griffin? I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be like Blake Griffin. I, I, I don't think we have an archetype that we can point to, which is why it's confusing. I think in terms of overall impact, maybe this is going to sound crazy. And I'm not talking about defense or any, any one particular thing, but just how a hall of famers sort of really adjusted himself at the end tim duncan Mm. someone who's just like i am literally just going to be here and do everything 
that you ask me to do at an extremely highly effective level. But some nights that what that what you're asking me to do is just score 10 points and get rebounds. And maybe that's like too extreme for LeBron, but like late career Tim Duncan, where he would average 16 and 10. But when they needed him to do it, he would come out and do 28 and 12 and and be super efficient. Right. So something like that I could see. And and I think that's so different than, you know, your Carmelo Anthony's and your Kobe's and these guys who are like, I only know how to play one way. LeBron is so smart. Like Tim was like, I don't need to score 25 a game efficiently to be considered a top five player. If if we're going to move the goalposts, I'll be a top five player who takes less than X number of shots per game. I'll take, I'll be a top five player who shoots at least, you know, wide percent per game. He can be a top five player at whatever he kind of decides to be. Um, so if that, if that just ends up being like an all around stand on the side, play some defense and do some transition dunks, maybe that's, maybe that's all it is. Um, so, but yeah, in terms of like how he's actually going to play day to day, there already has not really been anyone like him. And, and that's why I think it makes it hard to project the new LeBron is like Luca kind of, but then there is no model for like what the old LeBron old end of career LeBron sort of is. You know, I like the Tim Duncan comp because I've used Tim Duncan for how AD can transition the end tail end of his career. But for LeBron James, it's an interesting point. I think so. I, I just, out of curiosity, I looked up and I hate using this guy as a comp because of how gross he is, but I looked up Carl Malone's age 39 and 40 seasons, including his last year with us. But dude, in age, his age 39 season, Carl Malone averaged 20.6 points, yeah. 7.8 rebounds, and 4.7 assists. That's why it was such a big deal <laughs> when he signed with us for the minimum. <laughs> yeah, I could see LeBron James still doing that just because he's so outside of being so smart. He's so strong still. And at the very least, he'll just put people in the post and back the hell out of them and get these easy buckets. You know what I mean? And even play, play make out of the post. And I actually, it is a fair, I I agree. He's gross, but like, it is a fair comp just because if you remember that season, Carl Malone, he was not scoring whatever 12 points a game for us because that's the best he could do. He was doing exactly what we're saying right now. He was like, this team has Shaq, this team has Kobe, this team has Gary Payton. Pass me the ball and I'll shoot it when I'm open and I'll make it and I'll have elite efficiency because I've been used to for 20 years scoring 25 points a game. So like, yeah, you know, and I could see LeBron doing something like that. You want me to pass? I'm going to average 12 assists a game. You want me to like score? I'll come out and score when we need it. You want me to shoot efficiently? I'll do that. But like, I don't need to average 25, 10, 7, whatever, you know? So, Yeah. I think there are going to be some nights where it's like LeBron James checks out in the fourth quarter. It's a blowout and he has 14 points. I think there's going to be like a good number of those types of of games. Like a lot of like LeBron James has 25 through three quarters and then like it's, he doesn't play it worth. And I think he'll totally be fine with that. If it means he's at the end of the day, still averaging 25 points in the NBA finals and, you know, carrying us home or whatever. But hopefully this season rejuvenates him to the point where, I believe it's a player option after this year, right? So hopefully he's rejuvenated to the point where he picks up his player option. And obviously I don't want to touch this subject with his son, but maybe the stuff with Bronny James has shifted what LeBron James, I mean, it has to have, right? Shifted right. what LeBron James plans to do in the future. And because of that, yeah, maybe we do get one more year of 24-25 LeBron James, and he's going for, I mean, if he wins his fifth ring, he's going to want to go for six, right? So, uh, and you know, we're 
talking lofty stuff here, but that's just, he always is considering his legacy against Kobe and Mike. And if he can catch at least tie Mike, yeah, I could see him picking up his 24-25 player option. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, LeBron James is definitely one of those unique, interesting cases of like, we've never seen it before. We can only somewhat project, but it wouldn't surprise us if he did X, Y, and Z. So yeah. All right, so that'll do it for this episode. It was kind of a mishmash stopgap episode again, but bear with us. The Lakers have one more preseason game to go, Thursday versus the Suns, before we put this thing into overdrive and really kick off the start of the 2023-24 NBA season next Tuesday versus Denver, number 18 on the way. We will catch you guys next time. Follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us five stars on the Apple Podcast app. Please also give us a five-star thumb tap on the Spotify app. And yeah, we will see you guys when the season begins next week. For Tommy and me, we will catch you guys later. Peace out. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.